You're listening to Tech Bytes from the Packet Pushers. Appster is our sponsor for today's show, and we're going to talk about how intent-based networking is an evolution of automation. Our guest is Mansoor Karam. He is founder and president of Appster. Mansoor, welcome to the podcast, and let's dive right in. What makes IBN or intent-based networking different from traditional network automation? Yeah, hi. Great to be here. Well, intent-based networking is essentially a solution that uniquely both architects and operators use to manage the entire lifecycle of their network operations, day zero, day one, day two plus. So it's not just about essentially pushing configurations, it's also about measuring uh, your network and ensuring that your network is delivering on the desired outcome. And so there's this notion with intent-based networking of intent, right? And intent is essentially your desired outcome. Could be reachability, could be reachability you know, at a given protocol layer, whether it's L2 or L3 could be security, compliance, quality of experience. So in an intent-based networking solution allows you to declare all of those desired outcomes, and then the, net, the, the solution itself will ensure that your network is delivering on this intent across the life cycle. And again, in a critical aspect here is uh, collecting telemetry uh, and then analyzing telemetry in order to measure whether or not your network is delivering on intent and then letting you know if that is not the case. So I sort of see intent-based networking as the sequel to SDN. When we first started with SDN, it was configuring the network with software. And that's okay, but what it doesn't do is, did my configuration work? So the feedback loop doesn't close. So what normally happens in you know simple automations based around scripting and, and tools like Ansible is you make the configuration change and then the network engineer pings something just like he always did to see if it still works. And what we really need is to close that loop and go, I made a change and the change, the configuration is what it should be and that the connectivity is still in place. So this is where I see intent-based network and you're drawing the picture that you can't close the loop unless you've got analytics to see that things are happening. That's exactly right. And you have to do this you know, as part of the, the automation solution, not as, a, as an afterthought. In fact, you know, in your example, you know, there are so many examples of disasters, right, that have happened because of scripting. Well, you know, if yeah. you're doing things manually, you could essentially maybe screw up one switch, right? You could, you could, you know, you could, you could have an outage in one switch. But then if you have a script that is, you know, that is uh, configuring thousands of switches without that, you know, continuous validation loop, you know, that's a sure way if you have a mistake to, you know, become completely yeah, out of commission, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, so, yeah, that's right. and we've talked to network engineers that have, you know, this, uh, the, the PTSD syndrome of like, you know, the, 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 the pinky finger, right? Like, you know, on the enter button, right? Like, it's like, you know, <laughs> what, <laughs> when I press, <laughs> what, what will actually happen? What will know, actually, I call that, un- right? yeah. I call that the unpredictability. There's a lot of problems with, even with scripting about is something predictably going to do what you want? Exactly. Isn't the goal of engineering predictability? You know, ultimately, engineering is about delivering on predict systems that behave in a predictable way, right? Would you get on a plane yeah. if you knew that you know nine out of ten times it would you know it would crash, right? <laughs> right. So, so 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 essentially, this is exactly right. You know, engineering ultimately you want a predictable result, and intent-based networking is a lot about delivering a predictable result, and networks. Ultimately, yeah, have to have predictable performance. Right. And so this the interesting part about this, though, is that Apstra is following this concept of a single pane of truth in that you've got one product that does all of these things. That's exactly right. Right. That is this single source of truth, a repository of all of the state 
you know, essentially we're marrying intent with all of the state that's in your actual network in this single repository, uh, which, which is extremely powerful if you think about it, uh, because you can, you have not only the state, but all of the relationships between the state that is being, uh, you know, updated in real time uh, by the software mm. through a collection of telemetry. And then as you make changes, right, you're making them in the context of the state that you have, right? And so in one way, we, when, one thing we say is that you know, for us, you know, for in the context of the intent-based networking solution, whether you're making a change at the first time, like whether you're setting up your, the network the first time or whether you're setting it up three days in or three months in, you're making an add move or delete changes, adding a virtual construct, et cetera. You know, it is exactly the same approach that we're following and it's all coded in this single source of truth. Yeah, and I think it's important too that um, people should value products that do it for you because developing all that yourself, you're actually reinventing a wheel. So one of the things that architects, as an architect, when I was, you know, doing a architect network architecture professionally was I would often do the same thing over and over, but I would often have to reinvent it from the same, from nothing. Whereas SDN allows me to say, um, I, I've got a business process or I've got a common activity. I can pay somebody else to actually conduct those tasks for me. So if I deploy an intent-based networking from Appstra, who do you see it benefiting at most? Is it more of an architecture thing or does it more of the operators that benefit? It's benefiting both uh, the architect uh, and the operator. But I would say at the end, you know, the operator is going to be spending a lot more time uh, with the tool than the architect is. Mm. Um, because you know it's something that he's going to be using for his day in day out you know operations uh, of his network. Uh, you know, coming back to your your point about reinventing the wheel, you're absolutely right. But I think it's worse mm. than what you've what you've how you've described it. What we've seen is organizations that say we're going to do it ourselves, and so we're going to hire the best software engineers, and we're going to have this you know vision of how we're going to deliver you know a custom yeah. solution that works right you know that is exactly meeting our needs. And that's a great vision that they have. But then, you know, as soon as they get started, you know, first of all, you know, it's hard to hire the best software engineers. Uh, there, mm -hmm. you know, and then you know, you get attrition. Some people leave, right? And you know, few years in, you know, you've rotated the entire team, and ultimately, you know, you're reinventing. You know, you're, you're restarting from scratch, right? So the problem of actually building this is extremely hard and is underappreciated. And then combine that mm -hmm. with the fact that, you know, engineers uh, come and go. And in fact, for those organizations, this is not, you know, a critical a business uh, application, right? I've, I've always been a fan of the idea if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. And if I'm writing scripts, you know, if I've written a tool that does things for a company and I decide I want to go and work on this, but at the same company, but I want to go, they might say you can't leave because you're the only person who knows how to work it. So uh, I've always been far more selfish. It's not so much, Well, <laughs> you know, I look at it from my point of view and go like, I would buy a tool that lets me walk out the door or go somewhere else or do something. Well, else. It's, uh, it's, it's funny you say this because we were working with the customer and, you know, we have this whole capability as part of intent-based networking of root cause identification, right? And root cause yeah. identification, actually figuring out the root cause of a problem rather than kind of a sea of red, right, as the alternative, mm. requires a lot of, you know, knowledge of, of your network, which of course software is very good at, right? You can you know, yeah, collect yeah, all yeah. of this knowledge. But with that particular customer, there was one person, <laughs> you know, one guy that had all <laughs> that knowledge. And, you know, 
when we're asking them, so what's your, you know, what's your processes here for, what are your processes for root cause identification? And they're like, well, it's Bob, <laughs> you know, Bob is a <laughs> root cause identification <laughs> engine, you know? And so we're like worried, everyone is worried as to what, you know, what happens if, you know, if Rob, you know, if Bob leaves or something happens to Bob, <laughs> right? You know, at the end, you know, software is far um, you know, better at, uh, you know, at managing. Yeah, Back to that reliability and, idea and that you're not yeah. only relying on one person, you get that institutional knowledge, that operational knowledge stays with you rather than in somebody's head. And again, it's repeatable because it's software. That's exactly right. Um, we're seeing a lot of adoption of open networking. So disaggregation, separating the, the hardware from the software, network operating systems. Is Can Appster work in an open environment or is, are you restricted to the typical traditional vendor networks? No, absolutely. We work both with established vendors and with open alternatives. And in fact, this is an ex exciting time for open networking. I mean, you guys have seen it, right? So I have seen the whole evolution with mm -hmm. open networking since when? When was it? Like the dawn of time. Was it 2010, 2011 when we first <laughs> <laughs> talked about uh, open networking? And, you know, it was always a promise, right? It was always a promise, but we, it, it, it almost felt like the industry wasn't delivering on that. And so this is why for, you know, I think for the industry, 2020 is an exciting year because we've seen, I think, two things happen. One uh, is the rise of Sonic, right, as a viable switch operating system with massive investment from many of the, uh, you know, established vendors out there and, you know, certainly the hyperscalers. Um, you know, Sonic today uh, supports enterprise class features such as EVPN and VXLAN. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's really, you know, a first class uh, citizen uh, with Appstra. Right? We, we actually support it the same way we support an established, uh, a switch from an established vendor. And from an Appstra customer's perspective, you know, these things are completely interchangeable. We can, you know, we can replace an established vendor switch with a Sonic based switch and the customers, the customer wouldn't, wouldn't see the, wouldn't see the difference. So I think that is actually a really, you know, exciting new development in open networking. Uh, in 2020. And the second uh, exciting development is, you know, as you guys know, if you've seen, Cumulus was acquired by Metanox, which itself was acquired by NVIDIA. Uh, and so Cumulus as an open source switch operating system uh, is now part of, you know, an organization which market cap is actually larger than Cisco, right? And so it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's actually, you know, a viable choice out there uh, that you know will be a part of HPC clusters or machine learning or AI clusters that a, a, a vendor such as Nvidia will be selling to organizations, which is, and will be a critical yeah. part of these data centers. And so, in fact, you know we're seeing it's a trend towards um, you know a future that is even more multi-vendor than it is today. Organizations can't assume that they can source all of their networking from one single. Vendor, there is no scenario in which organizations should be buying management software that only works with one vendor. Yeah. It's a short path to a, a dead end when you have these valid options that will be part of your network. Well, you end up with a hardware-defined network, not a software-defined network, and you also end up with your network being defined by the hardware itself. And it's very difficult to move forward because you don't get choices. And I think the second part of this, and the one that I'm much more of is the reality is that sometimes certain switches work better in some places than others. So you might have some part of your data center, which is a LAN, which is high mission critical and you want high value, but there might be another part where best effort and you might want to go with lower cost alternatives, but use the same software layer to run over the top. There's no requirement for the entirety of your data center to run, you know, 
the same network everywhere. That's often a myth that I don't think people challenge correctly. That's exactly right. And, and you know, again, with the, with the trend that we're seeing, right, you know, the, if you if you want to deploy an HPC cluster, there's going to be you know networking that's going to be you know maybe optimized mm. for the requirements of you know an HPC cluster or a machine learning cluster, right? So, you know, namely yeah. lower latency. You want lower latency, right? <laughs> um, you, you know, you, you may want some uh, networking being done at the NIC layer, right? So there's there's going to be some different requirements there than if you uh, are running maybe a wow. HPC networks have, uh, are a very interesting use case for that because they'll buy a HPC cluster every year or two. And each one of the clusters will have a, they don't have, uh, share the same network. They get the network to go with the node. So you might have in a HPC environment, a GPU cluster, exactly which right. is has a network that was acquired when the GPU cluster was built. And then you might buy a data store exactly cluster right. and and that's a different network. And then you end up with this backbone of networks which are interconnected. You don't end up with one network all the way through. And if you buy the HPC from this vendor, they might demand that you use these switches. And if you buy a data cluster or a compute cluster, you might be forced to buy a different set of switches to go with that contract. And because they buy everything as a one-off. So that is, a, and that is increasingly where enterprises are headed at the edge because you may find that you're in, you know, if you're renting edge capacity, you may find that you're in an infrastructure where the switches are defined by whatever. If you're buying HCI, you might be buying, you know, a Nutanix or a Cisco, you know, AppFlex or, you know, whatever the brand is that you're going to buy. And each one's got a different brand of switch in it. That's, and you don't get to choose anymore like you used to. That's exactly right. And then add cloud to the mix, right? So if you, you know, you have applications mm -hmm. running in AWS uh, and then you want to uh, you want to run these on-premise, you're probably going to bring one of these AWS uh, you know, what do you call them? The AWS, the uh, uh, yeah, outposts, exactly. Yeah. You're going to put AWS outposts, or if you want Azure, you're going to bring an Azure stack and these will come in with their own networking, right? And so, you know, it's increasingly the case to your point that networks are multi-vendor. So, so what, what yes. you're right, you do need to start with software, <laughs> right? What is, <laughs> you need to start with the operational layer and, you know, the operation layer needs to be a simple operation layer that is intent-based, right? Because ultimately it's about, you know, what are the outcomes that you need from your network? So as we come to the end of the podcast, uh, what I want to be able to do is look at a use case of one of your customers that's using Appster today. Now, one of the ones that you brought to the table here is you've got a company in Switzerland, Be Elastic, and they're doing infrastructure as a service. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, we this is the a customer we announced recently, uh, they're Switzerland's first uh, infrastructure as a surface and bare metal provider. And what they're doing is allowing their customers to provision their own services. And uh, obviously this, this needs to be super simple, right? They need to have a very simple operation model and it has to be high performance. So they need some specific hardware. And so, you know, they do need best of breed solutions. And so for the hardware, uh, they're using uh, Mellanox switches, uh, which meet their high performance uh, requirement. But then for the operational model, they're using apps, right, essentially to automate the entire lifecycle and deliver this operational model, uh, this simple operational model to their customers. And that's interesting because you've got a number of different workloads here. So Appster is not only acting as a provisioning API for the network, I assume, but you're also um, putting together competing requirements. So the customers don't need to can't see the network, they can't touch the network. It's just got to work. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's that's essentially where an intent-based networking solution is the most powerful, where you have all of these different requirements, these different outcomes, right, that you uh, expect from the network. And it's a simple matter of declaring these outcomes, and then the software will do the work for you. All right. Well, that about wraps up our time. Mansoor, thanks for being here. Where can people go to get more information about Abstra? Yeah, uh, please go to abstra.com slash packet pushers. Fantastic. That's abstra.com slash packet pushers. Uh, Mansoor, thank you for joining us. And thanks to Abstra for being a sponsor. If you like this show, you can find this and many more fine free technical podcasts along with our community blog. That's all at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at packet pushers. Find us on LinkedIn, like us on Facebook and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.